Would you take your Bible, please, and turn with me to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. Luke, chapter number 2. And I want to share with you a sermon this morning entitled, My Father's Business. Luke, chapter 2. Let me just say that as dads, thank you again for being with us this morning, and we're just grateful that all of our church family is here, but we just uh, especially thank you men for being a great part of our church, and I know your family is thankful that you're a great part of of their lives as well. It's good to have uh, Lance and Kay with us today, Clark and Kay. Lance, good to have you all with us this morning, and good to see you. Well, I'm going to tell Billy Oreck he didn't come today, what he missed. Maybe if he's watching online, he can run on down here right quick before the service is over, but he'll, he'll be sorry that he didn't get to see you all today. Thank you for being, being with us today. Would you stand, please, this morning as we uh, read God's Word, and we're going to begin reading now. In verse, uh, verse number 42, as we begin this morning. And when he was twelve years old, they went out to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company... They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that as they were three days, they were three days found, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard were astonished at his understanding and at the answers that they heard. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said unto them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them that he went down with them and he came to to Nazareth and was subject to them but his mother kept all of these things in her heart Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man would you bow with me as we go to the Lord in prayer Father, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for the blessing of the reading of your holy word. We pray now, God, that you speak to our hearts in a mighty, mighty way as we study this passage together. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. May miraculous and powerful things be done in our lives this day. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And be seated, please. As we come to this passage of Scripture and I think about what uh, Jesus said to his parents that did you not know I must be about my father's business. As I think about that passage and as I've read it through the years, it just rings uh, true 
in my heart in a little bit uh, different way than what Jesus was responding and saying here. You see, my father's business was that of a Baptist preacher. He surrendered to preach when he was 40 years old. And God had saved him and they had a tent revival in our hometown when I was a little boy. That tent revival lasted for about uh, several weeks, at least two, may have gone longer than that, and many people were being saved. And at the end of that tent revival, they came across and they said, Listen, if we had somebody to pastor the church, we would just go ahead and start a church there at Westside where this tent revival has been. Many people have been saved. There's just a real interest there. And my dad stepped up and said, Well, listen, I think God is calling me to preach. I'll surrender to preach. I'd love to preach. If you'll ordain me, I'll go and start a church here at Westside. And that's where I came to know the Lord on a Sunday as a little boy. In that church where that church had been started there at Westside. The pastor now that's there is doing a great job. I had an opportunity to meet him several years ago. He's been there 13 years, Dwight Talbert. And the church is winning a lot of people to Christ. The church is growing and impacting that community for Christ. When Jesus, many years ago, began to call me to preach, I got on my heart that God wanted me to be a preacher, but there was something standing between me wanting to make that kind of decision public. And that was that my father was a preacher. And my brother had just surrendered to preach. And all of a sudden as God began to deal deal with me, I knew God was calling me to preach. And I wasn't running from it. I wasn't fighting it. I wanted to preach. God had laid it upon my heart. And God was calling me. But I got to kept thinking, if I go down and surrender to preach, folks are going to think, well, Joel just did that because his dad's a preacher. And his dad's a preacher and his brother's a preacher. And so now he thinks he ought to come and be a preacher because I was only 17 years old at the time. And so when Jesus talks about in this scripture, I must be about my father's business, I got to thinking about, well, folks are going to think now I'm in the preaching business. My father's a preacher. My brother's a preacher. Now I'm going to be a preacher. And folks won't understand that God has really called me too. And that began to weigh heavy upon my heart. Well, I then began to think about it even more years later. When coming back from a conference with Andy, my oldest son in Jacksonville, he looked across at me in the car and he says, Dad, I believe God's calling me to preach. And then a little bit later after that, sitting outside in the swing in our yard on a Sunday, and Brady, my youngest son, came up and he said, Dad, I believe God's calling me to preach. And I thought, oh man, I know what these guys are going to go through. They're going to be now third generation Baptist preachers. And for all of their life now, they're going to think, man, they're in the family business. Their granddad was a preacher. Their dad and brothers were preachers. Now they're going to be preachers. 
But I tell you what, God's good, isn't he? He can help you overcome all of those things. I've got no doubt that me and my brothers were called. I've got no doubt that my sons were called. But I think about that whenever I read this passage of Scripture. Jesus looked at his mom and dad at 12 years old, and he looks at them and says, Don't you know, I must be about my father's business. Well, now let's just take Joseph for a moment. What was Joseph's business? Well, Joseph was a carpenter. He was a guy that worked with his hands. He was real good in woodworking. And all of a sudden, we begin to see something about this man, the life of Joseph. Joseph fell in love with a young maiden at a very early age. And he loved Mary dearly. But it wasn't long after their relationship had begun as they began to date one another as we would call dating today, that Mary had something that she needed to tell Joseph. And she said to him, I'm going to have a baby. Joseph knew that it wasn't his child. And he wondered whose it might be. And the scripture tells us that Joseph had already decided, I'm just going to quietly take Mary and put her away. I'm going to detach myself from her and move away from her. But all of a sudden, God came to him and through a dream and through a miraculous work of God and through an angel, God said, Joseph, I want to tell you something. I want you to take Mary as your wife. Do not pull away from her. That which has happened to her has been conceived by a miraculous overshadowing of the Holy Spirit of God. And the child she's going to have is going to be the Son of God. He is going to be the Savior of the world. And Joseph stepped up in a most powerful way, baffled by what he heard and was explained to him. He decided by faith, I will stick with Mary and I'll become the earthly father of this baby that she's going to have. Joseph tenderly cared for her. He took care of her. He took care of the newborn son. He was there there at the nativity scene when Jesus was born. He had gotten news that Herod wanted to put Jesus to death. And so he took Mary, he took the child, and he brought them and he fled to Egypt. And now they are safely there in Egypt together. He cared for her, he cared for the child. He brought them back to Bethlehem after the problem with Herod killing the children was over with. And he took Jesus up and began to raise him and to begin to pour his life into Jesus. You remember the last verse we read a moment ago? It said Jesus the child became subject to his parents and he was subject to them and he began to grow in wisdom and grow in understanding. And this dad, Joseph, took this boy, Jesus, under his wing and he began to raise him. He began to counsel him, began to pour his life into him. I can imagine just what it might have been like in that carpenter shop as 
Joseph was teaching Jesus and Jesus was learning the family business and learning the family trade. It must have been interesting. We feel certain by Scripture that Joseph died prior to Jesus beginning his earthly ministry. As we study Scripture and as we see the absence of a father figure later in Jesus' life, we see his mother, we see his family. They are mentioned often in the Gospels, but no dad. So he probably died and had gone on to heaven to be with the Lord before Jesus reached the cross and his crucifixion. Notice our text again. Look, we've sought you anxiously, Jesus. Verse 39. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Do you not know I must be about my Father's business? Every one of us in this room know that Jesus was not talking about Joseph and being a carpenter. We know that. Jesus was talking about something greater than his earthly father. He was referring to his heavenly father. My father in heaven. Don't you know, mom and dad, that I must be about my father's business. Now what was God's business? What was it that God wanted Jesus to do? Everything that I've shared so far about Joseph, I believe is true. I believe is accurate. I believe Jesus was taken under the wing of Joseph. I believe Joseph was an outstanding father in the life of the boy and the teenage Jesus growing up. But yet, when we see the text, Jesus is saying to his family, there's a greater calling that I have. And the greater calling is what my heavenly Father would have me to do. What is it that is God's business for Jesus on earth? Using his own words to move forward in this sermon. I believe there are two things that describe the Father's business that Jesus was talking about here. I believe one of those is that Jesus would become the light of the world. I want you to turn in your Bible for a moment to the book of John, chapter number 9 in John's Gospel. I want to show you something here. John chapter 9. I believe that in this aspect we see that Jesus was referring to being the light to the world as this Father's business that He was making reference to. Don't you know I must be about it? Don't you know this is why God sent me? Don't you know this is the reason I'm here? God sent me into this dark world that I might become the light of the world. God wants to illuminate this world, and He sent me here in order to do it. Notice verse number 1 of John 9. 
Now Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned that caused him to be born blind. But he was born blind that you might see, that he might show the works of God. Now, let's stop there for a moment. And I want you to think about something with me here just for a second. Last Sunday, we talked about these profound questions that we find in the Scripture. And we looked at one of those profound questions last Sunday. Well, here's, here's another one of them. This is a very profound question that the disciples ask. They looked at Jesus. This man was born blind and they said to him, Jesus, who sinned that caused this man's blindness at his birth? Was it him that sinned or was it his parents that sinned? And they wanted to answer to that question. Well, we know how could that man have sinned? He wasn't even born yet. You can't sin before you're born. But Jesus quickly says to them, it wasn't the parents' fault. Not at all. This was something that God did that God might get glory from it. Now many of you remember Alan Stewart that preached here last homecoming. Alan's a friend of mine, a great preacher. He's a prolific writer. He's been sending me a text every Sunday morning since the pandemic hit. I guess he just thought, boy, Joel needs some encouragement. And he would just write me these big texts about what it's like to preach and lead the people of God. And I've enjoyed receiving them from him. And, and I got one today from him about Father's Day. Alan's a great, great guy. But I remember the first time that I got acquainted with Alan Stewart. He and his wife came to our church on a Sunday morning there in Hickson. I did not know it at the time, but that week before, they had just had a miscarriage, lost her baby. And they were in our service that morning, and I didn't know they were there. But I happened to be preaching that day on this passage of Scripture. And Alan said that when His wife and he were sitting there grieving in their heart over their lost child. They felt very guilty and they were wondering, why did this happen to us? What did we do to cause this to happen? Isn't that the way we think sometimes when we go through difficult things? What do we do to make it happen? And that's this question that the disciples asked Jesus. What did this guy or his parents do that caused this? Jesus said nothing. Alan said, when I got up and read the text, we stood for the reading of the word just like we did this morning. And when we began to read the scripture and we came to that verse and it says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This just happened so God could get glory from it. He said, uh, such a relief came across my wife and I to realize God didn't do this to us. This didn't happen for any reason that we did. It was simply God's will and God's plan. Now, friend, listen to me. God doesn't always tell us why He does what He does in our life. 
He does not always explain everything to us. The great thing of faith and the great thing of trust is this. He doesn't have to. God doesn't have to explain to me things for me to trust Him and follow Him. Does He you? God doesn't have to explain everything that goes on around me in my life, the good and the bad, for me to love Him. Do you? Does He to you? No. By faith, I'm His child. And I know that God loves me. And I know that God cares about me. And I know that the things that God does in my life, He's going to do for His glory and for my good. I can trust Him. I can follow Him in spite of all things that happen in my life. Can't you? What Jesus said in this scripture, He said, listen, here's why this man was born blind. I'm going to paraphrase now, but watch it. He is in essence saying, he was born blind for this very moment, this very day. Because I'm about the Father's business. And the Father's business is that I am the light of the world. Now what better way is there to illustrate being the light of the world than to touch a man's eyes who had never seen sunlight. And touch his eyes, and his eyes be opened, and he see for the very first time. And when Jesus touched this blind man's eyes, and they were opened, and he could see for the first time, this man is seeing. Then Jesus comes and says in verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Explanation point. Everyone there, everyone who witnessed that miracle, everyone who knew that man had never seen sunlight in his life, all of a sudden is healed. He can now see. He can see the sun. He can see faces. He can see the trees. He can see the flowers. He can see the grass. He can look at the face of Jesus and see Jesus, his Savior. And the man was gloriously saved. Jesus has just made an eternal point. This is the business of my father. I am the light of the world. I want you to turn back to John chapter 1 for a moment. John chapter 1. Notice verse number 4 in John 1. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 9. This is the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. You see Jesus in his beginning stages there in the Gospel of John. John makes it so clear. Jesus' mission was to come from heaven to earth and be the light that shines in a dark world. 
He was to be the light of God in a dark world so that men might be saved and gloriously be changed and come to Jesus Christ, come to salvation. John chapter 3 verse 19, and this is condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Isn't that what we see in our day? It is. Isn't that what they saw in Jesus' day? It certainly was. Men would flee to darkness. They wanted to be under a cover of darkness. Darkness hides people from the truth. Darkness conceals the identity of people. Darkness is that cover by which a person can operate in their old uh, sinful ways and not be exposed. But Jesus says no. I've come to expose the darkness of your heart and the darkness of this world. I am the light of the world. What a powerful word we see Jesus sharing. And he did it all through opening the eyes of a blind man. So the business of the Father that Jesus was referring to was not being a carpenter like Joseph. But the heavenly Father being the light of the world. A light shining in darkness. But there's a second part. And we're going to close right here in a moment. But the second part of the Father's business was for Jesus to pay the ultimate price for the sins of the world. Do you know men when you pay the ultimate price. The ultimate price is you pay it with your life. It costs you your life. The Bible tells us what greater love is this, than a man lay down his life for another. Now I'm just going to tell you something, friend. There's some causes out there, there's some causes in this world that's not worth dying for. There's some causes out there, you can pick a bunch of things, and they're not worth giving your life for. But yet on the other hand, There are some causes that are worth dying for. And Jesus died for the sin of the world. He gave his life on the cross that we can be saved. Now none of us can pay that price. None of us can die and our death give eternal life to another person. Now I'll tell you what. We can die to take the gospel to other people. That's a noble cause. We can die as a missionary. We can die as a preacher. We can die as a Christian that says, you're not going to silence me. You're not going to silence the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people as Christians have been martyred in this world because you could not silence them preaching and witnessing about Christ. That's a purpose to die for. That's a noble death to to die for. I will tell you another one, friend. You can pay your pay the ultimate price of death for the freedom of your country as many have gone to war 
and fought for the freedoms that we enjoy as America, fought for the religious freedoms that we have. Many a mother, many a daddy have watched their young sons go off to battle in back through the years and never return home again. That's paying the ultimate price. That's laying down your life for a worthy and a noble cause, the freedom that we have as Americans and as people. Jesus looked at his mom and dad at 12 years old there in the temple in Jerusalem when they were so anxious and worried and he couldn't figure it out. He was a 12-year-old boy. He knew what it was like to be 12-year-old and he said, well, what are you talking about? You're missing me on the trip home? Did you think I was with you? Didn't you know that I was here in the temple? I was listening to these rabbis. I was asking them questions about the old book, the Old Testament Bible. Don't you understand? I must be about my father's business. I'm the light of the world. I've come to pay the ultimate sacrifice to give my life to save everyone who will believe in me. At this point, we see the absolute significance of the baptism of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, when he was baptized, it was more than the water. It was more than John the Baptist. It was more than the Holy Spirit coming like a dove. It was more than going beneath the water and coming up out of the water. When Jesus was baptized and was walking up out of this water, he heard a statement come thundering out of heaven, and others may have heard it as well. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Because you see, here's what happened. At that moment when Jesus was with John being baptized, he was essentially turning his back on the world of carpentry. He was turning his back on the family business. He was saying to his mother, and he was saying to his brothers, he was saying to all of those that knew him in Nazareth, don't expect me to come by and repair your home or to build your house. I'm not a carpenter like my dad was. My dad, my father is in heaven. And I am turning my back on that old family business that you thought I might inherit. No, my father's business is the cross. So I'm headed toward the cross. Anybody want to go with me? And I am the light of the world and I'm going to shine my light so that everyone who will can be saved and come to salvation. What a powerful word. This is my son. In whom I am well pleased. God was pleased with Jesus, wasn't he? And I'm so thankful. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you to do that. We're going to have prayer here in a moment. And I want to ask you to consider today giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. We sang that song a moment ago, When Were We Touched? I don't know who stood. I couldn't look back there and see everybody. I don't know if you stood or not, my friend. 
But I tell you what, if you didn't stand today, if Jesus has never become your Lord and Savior, I'm going to say something, friend. The next time we sing it, you can stand if you'll trust Jesus Christ and ask Him to save you and come into your heart. Ask Him to forgive your sin. Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves you. He wants to save you. But He's simply waiting on you to invite Him in. He's simply waiting on you to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I know that you're the light of the world. You died upon the cross for me. And today, I place my faith in you. And when you place your faith in Jesus and ask Him to cleanse you of your sin, He will save you and come into your heart. And you'll, you'll be His child immediately. Would you ask Him to do that today? Let's just bow together as we pray. And as we pray, I want to just repeat this one prayer. And if you're here today and you've never, ever asked Jesus to be your Savior, but you want to, you have a desire to be saved, why don't you just ask Him right now, just from your heart, repeat this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me. I believe you're the light of the world. I believe you were raised from the dead. I believe you're living right now. Please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and make me clean inside. I surrender my heart to you right now. Friend, if you prayed that prayer today and asked Jesus to save you, he did. Just whisper with me, amen. Did anybody pray that prayer today? Anybody at all? If you did, I'm thankful you did. And we are going to stand and sing in a moment when we stand and sing. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, just come down here today and say, Pastor, today I gave my heart to Jesus and I've been saved. And that will be a blessing to all of us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do in our service. We honor and pray.